Welcome to the Chasing Presence podcast, co-hosted by Santi and Mike. This is a space where we share our insights for how to live a more spiritually aligned life. Join us on our journey to expand consciousness, live with purpose, and awaken to our true nature. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Chasing Presence podcast. Today, we're going to talk about a variety of different topics. I think what I wanted to start off by discussing is the difference between self-criticism and self-attack. So oftentimes, these two things can be conflated, and we think, oh, if you're being self-critical, you must also be self-attacking, but that's not necessarily the case. So self-criticism is, I would say, if that's all you're doing, is actually a very healthy mechanism in the mind. Self-criticism allows us to evaluate our performance, our behavior, and our emotional states in a way that allows us to try to improve and to try to be better versions of ourselves. So maybe we are engaging in a certain hobby or activity. Maybe you're playing a sport or you're playing an instrument. Being self-critical will allow you to improve that skill set. You'll say, hey, these are the things I am weak at or where I have a lot of room for improvement and therefore I should devote more time, energy, and effort towards trying to improve my skill set in said area of whatever activity it is I'm doing. This can apply to your career, this can apply to your relationships, your health. So if you weren't self-critical, you wouldn't have the impetus and the drive to improve yourself and to become a better version of yourself so that you can better serve other people and so that you can just really max out the results that you get in life. So it's important for us to be self-critical. It's important for us to always think about ways in which we can improve our performance and in ways that we can just optimize whatever efforts we're putting in that way we get the results that we're seeking without that self-critical side to ourselves we become too complacent and we don't realize our full potential now the difference is is that you can be self-critical without self-attacking self-attacking there's no real benefit to that some people might say that it, it might drive you even more to become great and that there's some truth to that i know like michael jordan for example had he really still self-attacked a lot whenever he would fail. And he's obviously one of the greatest athletes of all time. But I think if, that, if you're someone who is on a spiritual path and is trying to heal your past, heal your trauma, and become whole within yourself, the self-attack, the, the, the negatives outweigh the positives, in my opinion. You can be self-critical and try to think about ways that you can improve without degrading yourself, without attacking yourself without saying mean things to yourself without thinking less of yourself that self-attack for most people is really just going to lower their self-esteem it's going to cause them to not have as much confidence it's going to cause them to experience more negative emotions and the self-attack ultimately is really going to exacerbate certain mechanisms of your ego that aren't healthy and conducive to being more present to being more um compassionate to being more loving and to being more generous self-attack really ends up just causing you to self-sabotage it can cause you to become depressed can cause you to experience chronic anxiety and probably will for for the vast majority of people will probably actually prevent them from achieving their full potential and for getting the results that they want so it's important to try to distinguish these two things and figure out how can i still be critical in, in a productive and constructive way of what it is I'm doing without letting that voice in my head tell me that I'm not enough or tell me that 
or attaching your sense of self-worth to your performance or to the action that you are taking. And so getting rid of that voice in your head, that self-attacks is, a, is something that's a process. It takes time. And for myself, I'm very fortunate that over the course of the work that I've done, that self-attacking voice isn't something that's really prominent in me at the moment. But I know that when I was younger, there would be that, especially when I suffered from chronic depression, I self-attacked a lot and I would constantly equate and um, I would I would kind of conflate and associate anything that I did with as, as a direct correlation to my self-worth and my value as a human. So if I didn't perform well in school or I didn't perform well in sports or I didn't perform well in a social interaction, that, that in my view, in, in the past used to be in my mind, a reflection of my value as a human being. Now it's almost the opposite where it's like, if I mess up, I make a mistake, which happens all the time because I'm a human being. When I make these mistakes, I kind of just laugh it off. I, I, take the time to evaluate the situation and think to myself, okay, how can I regroup and try to do better next time? But I don't have that voice anymore that like starts to beat myself up for it in a very counterproductive sort of way. And that's been done through the course of letting go, through cultivating a greater level of awareness, by having a daily meditation practice. And so I've been able to cultivate a greater level of self-love over the years that I didn't used to have. That being said, I don't have everything figured out. There's still other areas where my ego is still maladapted and where thoughts start to kind of ruminate in ways that aren't necessarily the most beneficial to myself and others. But self-attack is one of those things that I've been able to, I'm actually surprised lately at how little and non-existent it seems to be, where it's almost like, whoa, I can't believe this voice in my head isn't, that used to be there, isn't really there anymore. I remember one time when I was in, in college, which is when my depression was at its worst. Um, I remember one, one time I was by myself in the apartment, my roommates were gone and we had like the standing mirror and I was sitting in front of the mirror and I was essentially berating myself in the mirror and telling myself how much I hated myself. And it was like a one-time thing. It wasn't like a repetitive recurring thing, but I remember there was this one instance where I looked at myself in the mirror. I was in obviously a very dark and depressed state at the time. And I remember just telling myself in the mirror, I hate you. I fucking hate you. It was a really, really dark time. And that's like a very extreme example of self-attack. Um, but it's just been interesting to see the progression and the development from that place to where I am now. So I'm curious, Mike, what has been your experience with self-attack and what are your thoughts on this? So I'm just going to start off by saying just because you aren't good now doesn't mean you won't be. And I think it's it's the mindset that you don't accept what is happening in your current environment, that something in the future is better. And this form of self attacking and self criticism is very toxic, because it's the same type of mindset that only well, that will never accept the current situation that always looks for something else in order to fulfill itself when it, that is not how it works. And we talked about it a few episodes ago, that mindset is not sustainable. It, it will not work. Because if you train yourself to always want the next thing, then when you finally get that thing, you're going to want something else, because that's how your mind works now, right? Because you can't, you can't be happy with what you have in front of you, what your basic necessities are, you can't be grateful. So it's just because you aren't good now doesn't mean you won't be everyone has to start from one place, right? 
if you are a scrawny, skinny person, right, then it's going to take a lot of work. It might take a few years to the point where you can become a strong bodybuilder. Probably not a few years, probably longer than that. But the point is like these things take time. And just because you're a certain age or just because you're a certain body type, like you shouldn't be discouraged because anyone who has achieved fame or success was definitely in your position before. This is why we need to have common sense and empathy because once we realize that everyone has gone through the same struggle that we have gone through in order to reach success, it becomes a lot, a little bit more bearable. And I will say that in order to get to that point, it's probably prudent to talk to people who are already successful in a way that you are not trying to get something from them. You are simply trying to learn and hear what their story is. Because the more stories you hear about success, first of all, you're going to realize that every single success story is so nuanced that you cannot possibly copy what they did in order to get to where they got to be or your perceived idea of how where you want to go. And, and second of all, it's, it's inspiring. And it and it teaches your mind that, that every every person goes through their own journey, and that it takes a long time that everyone gets discouraged. And that's part of the process. Obviously, there are very lucky success stories, like, for example, Martin Garrix, or there's like, there's other, other famous people who got famous off of, you know, um, a gimmick almost. And as a result, they don't appreciate what they have as much, you know, because they didn't have to work for it. It's it's this idea that like something is way more gratifying when you have put in a lot of hard pain and suffering in order to get there. So I will say that people who get very lucky and get successful very fast are not able to to sustain that because they get this high all of a sudden. And they're just trying to replicate the high if they're not aware of the the drawbacks of trying to do that. So what I'm saying is be grateful that you are where you are because you can't be anywhere else and there's nothing that can change that in the moment. Obviously with taking action and aligning and 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 listening to your intuition, you can get to a place where you you really enjoy the present moment organically and authentically. I will say, you know, there are situations that I've been in where I haven't liked who I was or I haven't liked what I was doing and I was very self-critical. Um, and I don't think it's possible to live a life where you aren't having those thoughts, at least during one phase. I feel like it's almost impossible unless you were raised perfectly, which in this society and, you know, historically is is very rare. But that being said, it's normal to be self-critical. In order to improve, in order to become a better version of yourself, you have to analyze what it is that you're doing and, and your way of being that are preventing you from feeling aligned. You have to analyze and be a little bit self-critical. Obviously, it needs to come from a place of love, not lack. That's That's the main problem. If it's coming from a place of I don't accept where I am right now. I'm not happy right here. I, I will only be happy when I get there. 
that is a form of self-criticism that is extremely unhealthy and not sustainable and can devolve into dark scenarios if you're not aware of what's happening. So self-criticism versus self-judgment that comes from lack is is, is not good. So there, there's self-criticism, healthy self-criticism, and then there's self-attacking or self-judgment. And one comes from love and one comes from lack. So self-criticism, you know, the, the, the term criticism does have a negative connotation, I will say. But in this context, I'm I'm using it in the form of you're only critical of like logically of what you need to do to improve and not that you're not happy of who you are, where, where you where you are right now. So there's two different forms of it. And sometimes even comparison can be useful in self-criticism, right? Because oftentimes you, you, you're where you are at a certain skill and you want to improve, but you don't really know how to improve or what you're even trying to strive for. Like maybe there's like, you need to have some sort of measurement or milestone yeah of where you want to go and if you are able to compare yourself to another person in a way that is from love and saying okay this person has clearly put in more time than me and has put in way more effort into the skill than i have good for them they put in a lot of long hours now i need to put in a long of lo- a lot of long hours in order to you know progress in my journey. And that's fine. And I'm going to use this person as a milestone or this person's work as a milestone. For myself, it's very hard to do that. Because it's when, when you're comparing yourself to other people, it's easy to judge yourself and to knock yourself for not being where you are. So it's, it, it's useful in certain cases, if you can be aware that there's there's nothing wrong with comparing yourself to someone else who's put in more time with you than you. And that being self-critical is basically the only way you can really grow. That's why mentors are very helpful because they, they're telling you objectively where, obviously some of it is subjective, but like objectively where you're going wrong or because they, they've seen success in their work and they're trying to help you. Mentors are very important. Honestly, they're probably even better than trying to do it all yourself. You shouldn't be doing everything all yourself. We're social beings, and we have a lot of collective knowledge. Especially now that we have Chat GPT, you can you can glean that collective knowledge in in a very efficient way. But I digress. So, yeah, I I've been very self critical, and and I've been figuring out ways to improve at certain skills without without being self-critical and while still doing it in the most efficient way possible. And I'm curious, Santi, in terms of you improving your mindset, improving your physical health, um, not, not going back to that time in, in high school or college where, you know, you were, that's almost like self-hatred. I wouldn't even call that like self-critical at that point. That's just, that's devolving. And I, I was there, I, I've been there. So I, I, I understand um, obviously everyone's subjective experience is differently. So maybe you experienced to a different extent, extent than I did. Who knows? It doesn't really matter. We are, we did the work. We are where we are now. So what have you had, what mindset have you had to cultivate in order to, to be self-critical in a way that comes from love and in a place that is actually sustainable when it comes to improving skills? Uh, it's a difficult question to answer because it's, 
almost like a lot of these shifts have happened on a subconscious level, just over the sheer amount of time and effort that I've put into improving my mind and cultivating awareness. So I can't say like, here's one to three things that if you do this, it'll shift and um, kind of end the self-attack aspect of it, but allow you to still be self-critical. Um, it's only something, the reason I brought it up today is because it's something that I've been thinking about these last few weeks is I've really noticed a, a significant shift and I've brought my awareness to it. Um, I would I would say that a big part of it is just every time that your ego either, because self-attack is almost a form of victim mindset in a way, which is something we've talked about in the past where, and this is something that I've struggled with a lot um, in the past and has also pretty much vanished. I, you know, occasionally I'll have a thought that is like, oh, why is this so hard for me? Why are things so difficult? You know, why, are, why does it seem like the odds are stacked against me? But I immediately bring my awareness to that thought and to that sensation associated with it. And I, and I tell myself very, very clearly and firmly, I am not a victim. I refuse to be a victim. I refuse to go into that mindset. And I think it's from, now that I'm talking about it, I think a big part of it is just learning from the pain of the past and knowing not to repeat that same mistake. Because like I mentioned before, when I used to be depressed, I fell into a very, very deep victim mindset. And I had hoped and believed that if I just felt sorry enough for myself and experienced enough negative emotions, that someone would come and save me from myself and from my pain. And I thought that if I had enough self-pity, that would, that somehow the, the rescue team would come and they would they would take me out of my the dark hole that I was in and everything would, would become right. And the universe or God or whatever would feel sorry for me enough to help improve my life. But I can tell you from my own personal experience that that never happened. I just stayed in there for days, weeks, months, years. I spent years in a very, very dark place and realized that me feeling sorry for myself and me self-attacking and me experiencing these negative emotions and identifying with them and, and, and making that my identity only made things worse and only kept me stuck. And, and I realized that in order for me to get out of the place, I had to take massive action towards healing and growing and improving myself and improving my life. That doesn't mean that I had to go it alone. And I had definitely had a lot of support over the years from various people. I'm not saying I did it all by myself, but I, I had to be the one to take the initiative and take the action initially. And then the universe will come to support you and they'll bring in all the people and the players that are necessary to help you to continue to grow and to continue to heal. But you as an individual, and this is where the ego comes in, you as an individual ego and human being need to take the first step that you need to take the initiative and the action towards making the changes. The, the, the universe isn't just going to magically do it for you if you're in a dark place and you're just identifying with that darkness. And so I think for me, a big part of it is just literally many, many years of experiencing a lot of self-attack and victim mindset mentality and realizing that it wasn't doing any good for me. And then learning through lived experience that if I, hey, if I start taking action towards my healing and growth, that is what's going to end up actually changing my life. And so it's just this, this very this very keen and strong awareness that self-attack really, for me and my personal journey, was not doing me any good. And that in order to move forward in a way that was productive and conducive to success, I had to shift my energy from those lower vibration states of fear, apathy, anxiety, anger, hate, frustration, to the higher states of courage, love, passion, and I'm not saying that I'm always in those higher states. Of course not. I, I fluctuate all the time. You know, I fluctuate between states all the time, but I'm trying to make the majority of my states and my internal, um, the internal emotions that I experience to be of those higher states and to have 
those lower states be the exception rather than the rule. And so it's just, I think it's just like the pain from, from doing, from being in that place for so long taught me that it wasn't worth it and that it wasn't valuable. And so I created a change. And then every time that I sometimes revert back to those, those older states or those lower states that I used to experience you know, due to due to a trigger or what have you, or stress or just the day-to-day grind that life can bring, I very, very immediately use that awareness that we talk about in pretty much every episode. I use that awareness to very quickly catch it. And so instead of going down that rabbit hole, I already know where that leads because I've experienced it so many times. So I already know that that path is going to lead me to an even worse place. Whereas before I thought, oh, maybe if I go down that path, maybe through that, you know, things, things will go well for me because people will feel sorry for me. I know that that's not how that works. I know I need to take action. I know I need to be the one to take the initiative for my healing and growth. No one else is going to care about my healing and growth as much as I do. No one else is going to be invested in it as much as I am. But as you start to do that, then you'll get the support system that that you need in order to hopefully continue that momentum um, to go in the right direction. And so that's really what it came down to for myself. And I think just this this constant process of self-reflection and self-awareness every time that I'm triggered or every time I feel myself starting to um, take on a negative self-attacking mindset and then shifting it as, as quickly as I can has been the process to eventually get to a point to where that baseline is no longer that of um, victim mindset, self-attack, uh, and has instead only resulted in healthy self-criticism. Because I also understood that, you know, I don't want to just completely, completely um, remove any sense of uh, responsibility or any sense of um, like how I can do better. So it was, it was a matter of like being able to get rid of that voice that wasn't serving me, but still keeping the awareness around the fact that I can always try to improve. And how can I do that? How can I be aware of my shortcomings, my flaws, my mistakes, and how can I improve them without attaching my self-worth to it? And again, a part of this is just a lot of this is going to happen on a subconscious level just over many years of practicing these various spiritual disciplines. So I would say, you know, focus on another thing too, is like realizing that it's not all about you. Like life isn't all about you and, and um, your own happiness and your own progression. It's, it's, it's a collective effort that we are doing to try to raise consciousness for the human species and to do good by the planet and the environment. And we're, we're not going to be perfect. We're going to fall short of the mark in many ways. And there's many compromises we'll have to make, especially in this modern world, but also realizing that there are other people who are struggling and suffering. And there are other people who are going through their own unique challenges and trying to focus on how you can give back and do good by others and be of service. Also take some of that pressure off. So you're not constantly focusing on woe is me. Why don't I have what I want? Where am I not where I want to be yet? And you're, you're putting some of the attention on other people who are in need. And so I try to find various ways to be of service. Some of them are small acts of kindness. Other things are efforts where I invested, you know, significantly more time, effort, and money into. So those are some of the things that come off uh, the top of my head as I think about this. And I also wanted to touch on just a few other things you brought up. One of them that you said is don't let age be a limitation on what it is you think you can achieve. So this is a big one that I hear about a lot from people is this idea that, well, I'm already 30 or I'm already 40. And so I, I'm too old to be doing X, Y, or Z. Uh, one of the people that's that I encourage people to listen to and learn about is Rich Roll. He is an ultra marathon runner, highly successful entrepreneur. I believe he's written a book as well. 
And he, I'm not going to go into his full story, but he essentially was a lawyer for a period of time, um, was ended up becoming a really severe alcoholic and, you know, became super overweight um, and was just basically self, um, sorry, was going down a downward spiral in his life where his health was going uh, you know, downhill, his finances were going downhill. And he didn't really end up turning his life around and hitting his stride until his mid 40s. And then all of a sudden, he just started getting in super crazy good shape, started running marathons. And now he does ultra marathons, created a super successful business, healed a lot of his trauma that was causing him to, to downward spiral in the first place. And now he's this, this really, you know, inspirational figure in, in the self help and personal development world. And he didn't do that until his mid 40s. So, you know, and there's other stories, of course, of entrepreneurs who create businesses when they're like even in their 50s or 60s, um, maybe even older in some in some instances. So don't let age be a limitation on what it is you can achieve, you can achieve and never let it be a roadblock to starting a new path in your life. It's never too late to start a new business. It's never too late to start taking initiative for your own healing and growth. It's never too late to form a new friendship, to enter a new relationship, to get your finances in order. So don't think that you've missed the boat. Like, yes, we all would have liked to start doing a lot of things earlier on in life. I, I would have loved to start meditating as a child. I didn't. I only started doing it when I was 22. It is what it is. I'm going to make the most and max out the most out of what I can from this point moving forward. Along those same lines is don't constantly compare yourself to other people in a way that is toxic. Compare yourself in a way, like Mike said, that is going to help you see how you can improve yourself and use other people as a positive influence for what you can achieve. You know, try to view other people who are maybe achieving things at a higher level as role models, you know, and try to, to live your life, you know, try to emulate the characteristics of them that you admire. So when I was, you know, a lot of my so-called, I don't have a, an in-person mentor. I would like to have one. I just haven't found someone and something like that is something that happens. It has to happen organically. You don't just sign up, you know, to be someone's mentee or it, it usually something that just has to happen naturally for the most part. I haven't found someone like that in person, but my mentors in my journey have primarily been the people whose books and podcasts I consume, right? And so there's a lot of people who I've been listening to their podcasts for five or six years. I read some of their books and I would, you know, and even sometimes now, but definitely in the earlier years, I'll try to compare myself to them and say, oh, for example, one of the people who I really look up to in the health and fitness space is Ben Greenfield. And anyone who listens to Ben Greenfield knows that this guy does like it's, there's just no way that I'm ever as much as I, as much time and effort as I put into my health and well-being, which is a lot, it's a lot more than the average person. I'm never going to live up to the amount of effort he puts in. It's just an absurd, ungodly level of commitment that he has. And I used to kind of beat myself up like, Oh, he's doing all these things. I can't do all these things, but now I don't even view it that way anymore. It's like, what, from what he's talking about, can I, with my bandwidth, incorporate into my life? And, you know, just being grateful for the fact that I know and have learned a lot of things that I have through the content that he produces. And then the last part that I'll touch on too is just the importance of not going it alone and trying to find a support system of people who can hold you accountable and who can give you the emotional support and encouragement that you need or that you could benefit from in order to achieve what it is achieve your purpose, achieve your mission in life. Yes, you can go it alone. You can technically do it by yourself, but you're probably going to be much more energized and much more aligned and much more optimistic and positive and be feeling better along this process and not just grinding through it in a way where you're 
you're just you're just feeling very worn out if you have other people to support you in achieving your goals. Self-attacking. It's I, I want to go back to what you said about self-attacking being a victim mindset. If you feel sorry enough for yourself, then the new, then the universe will come save you. Is kind of like the the quote that defines that. Yeah, that that is basically what any sort of judgment is in a certain sense, because if you feel lack in another person or in yourself, it's almost like you're being a victim. You're like, why is it, it are things like this? It's like, why can't things be different? And it's just in a state of complete um, and utter. It's just a lack of gratitude and a lack of acceptance. So. All we can do is be aware of it, you know, because the, the whole point of this is to is to cultivate a mindset that that when you when you think these thoughts or not when you think these thoughts, but when these thoughts are thought for you due to your limiting beliefs, that you can catch them and quickly realize that th- these aren't the thoughts that I want to be having. Clearly not. I'm I'm sure we we all experience thoughts where we're just like, wait, what? Why is that there? Where did it come from? If we're aware of them, that is. But I experience this all the time. It, it doesn't matter how good your mindset is. You're still going to have negative thoughts. It, it's, I mean, I, I have yet to have a day where I don't think negative thoughts. It usually happens right when I wake up, actually, because usually when I wake up is when I'm the least conscious and when I allow the most things into my mind, Right. So whenever I wake up is generally when I experience the most negative thoughts, which is kind of which is kind of not good. <laughs> it's it's probably not good to like have your brain be showered by negative thoughts first thing in the morning. <clears throat> which is why it's really good to not check your phone in the morning. Because oftentimes especially if you're spiking your dopamine that that early in in a way that's, you know, not putting in work. I think that's the main problem with phones is we, we talked about this a few episodes ago. It might've been an episode ago where we're, we're talking about dopamine and how you need to do work in order to feel and first in order to feel the effects of dopamine so that you train your brain that you have to do things and put in effort in order to feel good. The problem with the phone is you can go on TikTok and feel good immediately with, with only moving your thumb. Obviously that's not ideal that we don't want to train our brain to receive instant gratification like that. So we, that's why it's not good to look at your phone in the morning. That's why instead it's ideal to do some meditation, some, some exercise, some cold showers, some journaling, ideally all of them in the morning. So, and then you can start your day and then obviously you're going to, you might find yourself scrolling during certain times of the day. It's fine. You know, the, the whole point is just to be mindful of what you're doing and, Having a strong morning routine is going to help you be more mindful and to to give you the dopamine reserves that you need in order to, who knows, one day be like Ben Greenfield. So, yeah. And the thing I want to talk about is, you know, the this concept of taking action. And, you know, a lot of people say, you know, you get where you are, the frequency you resonate are, the things that will come into your experience. It's a very woo-woo way of describing it. And I feel like it's it's it gets people this concept in people's heads that as long as you think something enough times, it's going to manifest into your reality. And that's just not the case. 
that that's not the case at all. What I will say is, obviously, the more you think a certain thought, the more it's going to become embedded into your subconscious. And once something is embedded into your subconscious, it's going to be easier to take action around that thing. So there is something to be said about thinking the same thought repetitively, affirmations, they, they do hold some weight. But if you're not taking action over those things, if you don't have the dopamine associated with putting these things into your subconscious mind, then nothing's going to happen. When it comes to manifesting things into your reality, you have to change your external environment. And the only way to change your external environment is to change your internal environment. But but when you change your internal environment, you're changing your, your thought patterns, you're changing your beliefs. And in turn, you're changing the way that you take action in, in the external environment. And when you do that, you're changing your external environment. So when you change your ex- internal environment to think thoughts in a way that that allows you to take action, that's how you change your external environment. That's what That's what people mean when they say, as within, so without. You think certain thoughts enough times to get to the point where the thing that you want to do is subconscious and you don't really have to think about why you're doing it, you're just doing it. And now you're changing your external environment and now you're manifesting because now you have all these actions that you're doing that are largely subconscious. You don't really have to put much effort into doing it because your brain already is kind of doing it for you. And you're going to be, and over time, with enough action, you're going to be bringing things into your experience that align with those actions that you're taking. So I, I don't even think it's like very woo woo to say that like the, the frequency that you're resonating at is are the things that come to your experience. Because it makes sense at a very superficial level. When the, and then when you break it down further, it makes even more sense where it's literally just changing your thoughts and taking action towards your goal. goal. So, I mean, that's mainly what's going to move the needle is doing things that are what your successful self does will put you into a state of receiving. And manifesting is just taking action over enough time that will give you something that you're looking for. So that that's... The only way to change your external environment is to change yourself because you you change your thoughts, you change your beliefs, you make it easier to take action, and then much action over time will will change everything. And the other thing I wanted to touch on that you were talking about is being of service to to other people is, is, first of all, especially if you're being of service to people in the skill or the field that you are trying to be better at. If you can provide a service and value to other people, then you're going to see a lot more success in that area. Because like, again, it's not about us. It's not just about this, this meat suit and like this, whatever this is, you can call it a soul or whatever is manifesting life force into this. Uh, there's many of those out there and they come from the same source. So we, we are everybody. So like just working on yourself, it's the most important thing, but it's not the only thing that you should be doing. You should be helping other people become better versions of themselves if the, of themselves as well. So yeah, making sure you're the best version of yourself is a great way to be of service to the world. So you have the love that other people will see that will light up their day. I do want to say though that like we talked about this in previous podcasts, how you say, you know, you shouldn't just wait until you're the best version of yourself to to be of service to other people, right? Yes, that is true. I will say, though, that when you are 
in this place where you have a really good mindset, which I think, you know, it's taken us a while, but I'm becoming confident in my mindset. I'm pretty confident in your mindset and your ability to, to understand what is necessary in order to live a sustainable life. Sometimes we're going to have bad days, right? And it's important for other people to see that you're having a bad day and that you're dealing with it in a healthy way. This is why it's very important when you're having kids to to be with them no matter like how you're feeling. So they can see that, yes, uh, my dad has a bad day sometimes, but he doesn't numb himself with alcohol. He doesn't, he doesn't do unhealthy things to deal with them. He deals with them in a healthy way. He meditates. He he journals. He spends time with his family. He's aware of his feelings. They might not actively consciously think this, but subconsciously they're they are noticing this because oftentimes what happens is kids take on the behavior of their parents. So I think, but it doesn't just, it's not just for kids. If someone really looks up to you, like let's say you, you've cultivated an amazing mindset and you do all these great things for the world and you're out in the world and you're not having a good day, right? And someone who's really, who really admires you notices that, but they also notice that even though you're not having a good day, even though your, your mood might be slightly disparate, that you're still, you're still showing up, that you're still treating people with respect and you're still treating people kindly regardless of how you're feeling. And there's a lot of value in that, not just spreading love, but also being in negative states and still showing up and being in the world and allowing people to see you like that to just prove that you don't need to go and drink alcohol or you don't need to medicate yourself with with Zoloft and antidepressants in order to to feel better about your situation. So I think there's a lot of value in showing up in the world just with a good mindset, regardless of how you're feeling, regardless of how like, because here's the thing. I did a project recently on the score of that was for the movie Dune and Hans Zimmer. And they had a he had a Reddit ask me anything. And this is one of the best composers of our time. And one of the things that kept popping up is that he is still extremely self-critical of his own music. He can't listen to his own music, even though he's won so many Academy Awards and Oscars. And he he's like one of the best composers of our time, objectively. And yet he's still self-critical of his own work. It's it's almost like you you can't avoid being self-critical it's going to happen because you want to continually like better yourself and that's okay there's nothing wrong with being self-critical it's just it's just prudent to be aware of when that happens and to to realize that it's just a normal mechanism everyone experiences it and it is necessary in order to improve in the field that you are trying to manifest good skill in all right, so a lot of things that you covered there. I want to go all the way back to the topic of manifestation. And it's important to understand that the affirmations themselves, if it's just you repeating something positive like, I am loving awareness, I am loving awareness, I am loving awareness, or I am going to be successful, and you just keep repeating that same thing over and over again, that is not going to be enough to manifest that reality if subconsciously you have limiting beliefs and trauma that's completely in opposition to what it is you're saying, which is what Mike said. That's why he said, 
you know, once you get to get it ingrained into your subconscious, that's when the magic really happens because your mind manifestation is based on your mind and a very small percentage of that mind is your conscious mind. Your conscious mind is such a small percentage of, of the full capacity of your mind. Like how much can you really perceive and think in a, in a given moment it's a very, very limited, you know, and there's a reason for that because if it was all, if we could just consciously have everything that our mind contained all at once, it would be overwhelming and we would not, we would not be able to function as a human being. And so the majority of what's in our mind is subconscious and unconscious. And that is the true conditioning that's going to determine what, what reality we create for ourselves. Manifestation is really just your mind creating a reality based on its beliefs and based on its energy and frequency and vibration. And that, you know, if that's too woo woo for you, I'm sorry, this is a spirituality podcast. Um, maybe it's not, maybe it's not the right thing for you to be listening to. Maybe you're not ready to receive this information. Um, <laughs> manifestation is, you know, it's most of it is subconscious. So if you have subconscious limiting beliefs and it's, you know, a lot of us have this to some extent, I still have a lot of a significant amount of, of limiting beliefs and trauma that I need to still process and work through. And that is really why we talk about the importance of inner work, because if you're not doing the inner work, you're going to have this subconscious energy and frequency that is not going to be aligned with what your conscious mind is telling yourself you want. So your conscious mind might be saying, I want success. I want abundance. I want love. I want connection. But your subconscious mind is saying, I don't deserve that, or I'm not capable of creating that reality for myself. And so the manifestation, the, the, the affirmations and saying positive things, I'm not going to say that they're useless but they only are going to be very effective if it's aligned with a subconscious that already believes in that as well. And then your conscious mind is just putting the icing on the cake to supercharge that subconscious belief. So it's important to do the inner work to, to shift your subconscious mind in a way that is healed and whole. So that way the conscious mind can add on those finishing touches to get you to where you want to go. And a lot of this stuff is, is, you know, when you talk about the subconscious mind and the reality that creates this, a lot of this stuff ties into the quantum field. I am not well versed in the science, but you all can look into Dr. Joe Dispenza's work. He is also, he, he facilitates a lot of these retreats that people go on. And for Mike, loves his books. He's one of his favorite authors. So you should definitely buy his books and read his stuff. Um, but he talks a lot about manifestation and the quantum field and the power of the mind and the power of the placebo effect, which we talked about in just the last episode. So your mind is a very powerful thing and it can create the reality for itself, but it's not just going to be your conscious mind. That's why a lot of people will read a book like The Secret, which is on manifestation, and they'll try doing all the stuff that it suggests for like several months. And they'll say, well, I, I started doing all these affirmations and writing exercises and nothing changed. It's well, yeah, because you didn't change anything subconsciously. So it's important to, to really focus on that. Um, there's a good quote by Nikola Tesla. If you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. That man was way ahead of his time, highly intelligent. He was tapped into something that people of his time and even most people of our time currently didn't understand, which is that is really the source of, of our reality. It's not this physical dense matter that we perceive. Everything, even even matter itself, um, is, is, is vibrating at a certain frequency. And that's what we need to tap into in order to change our reality if we want to do it quickly and effectively. Yes, we can get results through this time-space continuum by like putting in work and like in doing things within the context of what we think of as just the normal human experience without all this uh, spiritual context. 
but and you can get results going through time and space and dealing with matter, but it's going to take a much longer time to get the results than if you focus on doing the inner work and creating those energetic shifts so you can attract and create that reality through the quantum field. This is a very rudimentary and crude kind of description of it, but I think people uh, kind of get what I'm kind of can pick up what I'm putting down. The other thing too is when it comes to the other thing you, t- you kind of brought back was this idea of service and um, you know, we don't need to be the best versions of ourselves in order to serve others. However, it's it's important to to also understand that the more competent and capable you are as a human, the more better you'll be able to serve others. The more, like if you're someone who is in a very dark place and, you know, you don't really, let's just say that like you're in a very dark place, you're going to have a hard time serving other people in a meaningful way. You're just not going to have the capacity. So it's important to put and invest into yourself so that you can better able to serve others. It shouldn't be a roadblock to completely prevent you from helping others, but there is a give and take here where the more that you invest in yourself, the more better you'll be able to serve, but don't wait till you're the perfect version of yourself to do so because that perfect version of yourself will never come. So try to do what you can now with the resources and skills that you have acquired up until this point, while also understanding that if you continue to invest in yourself, you will continue to be of even greater service. And this is one of the big con- concepts of Aubrey Marcus's program. I know he's a, a somewhat controversial figure, but he has his program fit for service. And the idea of that program is that in order to be able to serve others, you yourself have to be fit for service. And so you have to invest in your own growth, healing and development to be able to do that effectively. Um, and this, what this brings up for me too, is just talking about these different, um, these different people who have, who have influenced me, you know, over the course of this podcast, um, you don't have to agree with everything that someone says in order to gain value from some of their messages and from some of the things they say. This is one of the issues in today's society where we are very, very polarized. We think, oh, well, this person has this belief that I very, very much disagree with. That means I can't agree with or listen to or, or receive anything in as they have to say. There are people who, like, I disagree with certain things that they say and believe in, but I still find gems in certain lessons or quotes or certain speeches or certain, you know, clips that I, that I view of them. And I'm like, Hey, that's actually very valuable information. So I try not to just categorize or label someone as being bad and then not taking in anything they have to say. Cause there are some individuals who yes, are highly controversial. Um, for example, Andrew Tate, very, very controversial. I'm not going to get into that on this episode, but there, there's other people like that. Donald Trump, for example, there's a lot of people who are people they hate them. They don't want to listen to anything that they have to say, but there are certain qualities or certain certain things that they may say or certain behaviors that they may um, that they may exhibit that actually are worth paying attention to and and worth considering the value of. And so you shouldn't just completely exile and cancel people just because maybe that maybe they have certain views that are that are bad or that you think are immoral, try to focus on the pros and the good and the the value that you can extract from any given individual, regardless of whether or not you would want to be around them or associate with them. There's value to be taken and lessons to be learned from everyone in some way, shape, or form. So try to change your RAS, your selective focus, your reticular activating system to try to focus on those positive things. It doesn't mean you have to like, um, it doesn't mean you have to condone all of their behavior but try to focus on like what value you can extract regardless of whether or not you like someone. 
And then, of course, this brings me to just to kind of go full, full circle all the way back to self-attack, this idea that all emotions that you experience are valid. So it's important not to beat yourself up for self-attacking and continue an even further spiral. Um, if you're feeling sadness, if you're feeling anxious, you know, I still, you know, earlier today I had anxiety. Um, I was doing another comfort zone challenge and I'm not going to beat myself up for feeling that anxiety. Like it's just, it's really just a, a signal and a sign that there is still inner work to be done. And that the more awareness I bring around that, the, the better able and more quickly and more efficiently I'll be able to heal, but starting to continue, um, if I experience a negative emotion and I continue to self-attack or get down on myself about that, it just, it further delays the healing process. So just notice that it's there. You know, this, this spiritual path, this journey in growth is not linear. It isn't just an upward line where you're constantly improving. It's more so like the stock market where it goes up and down, up and down, up and down. There's volatility. You're going to have peaks and valleys, highs and lows. But over the long term, if you take like a 10-year clip, if you invested in yourself for 10 years, you'll see it. You've grown a lot over the course of those those years. It's just that along the journey, there's going to be ups and downs. So don't feel like just because you're going through a day or two or maybe even like a week where you're feeling a lot of more negative emotions than usual or you're not feeling as inspired or creative as you usually are. Don't take that as a sign that you're regressing. It could just be that you're going through one of those peaks on the journey upward. It's, it's completely normal to go through these sort of flat lines or periods where you're less inspired or periods where you're less productive or where you're experiencing more negative emotions than usual, that doesn't mean that you've backtracked and you're starting from square one. It just, it's just a part of the process of growing. It's like, a, it's, it's a constant process of, of death and rebirth and growing and then moving forward and then kind of retract expansion and contraction, expansion and contraction. And you're kind of going through this phase, but overall, as long as you're continuing to put in the intention to heal and grow over the long, over the long term you will get the results that, that it is you're seeking. I couldn't have said it any better myself. And unfortunately, we have ran out of time. So I'm going to end this podcast with this. Remember, the only thing standing between you and the life you truly want is the story you keep telling yourself about why you can't have it. It's time to silence that inner critic, take action, and start manifesting the life you deserve. Thanks for tuning in to the Chasing Presence podcast. And until next time, keep dreaming big and taking bold steps towards your goals. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Chasing Presence podcast. If you enjoyed it, please spread the word by telling your family and friends and by sharing it on social media. You can also show us your support by leaving a review. Also, if you'd like to get in touch with us, our contact information is in the show notes. Please send us a message as we'd love to hear from you and get your feedback. As always, thanks again for listening. Stay present and have a great day.